You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I know uh, if I were pastor night and I was up here, I'd be praying for the Jets this week because they go into the uh, they play to go into the grand final. Is that right? Who's a Jets fan? Well, you can pray for them then. They need the prayers and you need the practice. Um, they, they play when, Nate? You didn't pray for them. I'm shocked. Friday night. Friday night. We'll be in Sydney. <laughs> You're not staying for the final night. All right. See where your priorities are. Got it. I see Gary. He's already kind of hanging out for Friday night. Um, he's always on the sidelines. I don't know how he got it, but he got it passed to the sidelines. How you guys doing this morning? That doesn't sound convincing. Sound pretty poor. How you doing? Um, Janet and I are looking forward to our first LIVE for 2018. There's well over 20 people from our campuses coming who are new to the church, and we're just looking forward to having lunch with you and talking about uh, talking about where God's brought us to and getting to know you. If you haven't signed up yet, you can still come. We're ringing. It's at the ministry center. Um, I don't know if that's me. It's at the ministry center um, at 12:30. I think that's about the time you arrive, um, and it'll be a great time together. We have kids' facilities. So even if you haven't signed up, come along anyway. If you're new or uh, if you've never been, it helps you to get to know Victory and, and talk about it as becoming home, becoming a covenant community together. So we'd love to have you. A number of you already have signed up, which will be awesome uh, to have you there. Um, you know, we're in a season of looking at the person and the work of the Spirit. And I want to encourage you to make this time a time of more, okay? I believe there's so much more He wants to reveal to us and more He wants to do in and through us than we can even imagine. And I believe we ought to make that our prayer. God, there's more. I want so much more. You know, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are the ones who are filled. And so there's so much more. Uh, I, I want to pray this morning Paul's prayer that he prayed for the Christians at Ephesus. I mean, they were on fire children of God. They were pumping. They saw, uh, they had conversions that we would look at today and make, Steven Spielberg would make a movie out of the kind of conversions that happened at Ephesus. And yet Paul prayed, there's still more for you. And, and he prayed for them. And I want to pray his prayer out of, out of Ephesians 1. So let's pray together as we kind of head down this track and get into the Word, let the Holy Spirit move. Uh, I keep asking, I ask you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you give us right here, right now, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know you better. I pray, God, that the eyes of our heart are enlightened. The light goes on so that we can see things you want us to see and know that we just haven't glimpsed before. Because God, when that happens, we're going to know significant things and become significant people and do incredible things in this city and beyond. So I pray as we open your word. God, I don't have to pray anointing on that word because it is an anointed word. I pray for our hearts and our minds to receive the anointing that's on it. Lord, we'll become people that you've destined us to be. Pray for Pastor Earl over at Northwest Campus as he preaches uh, very soon over there. God, I pray they'll just have incredible encounters with you. As he opens the word, we know that faith comes by hearing this word. God, we don't want just information today. God, we want to be changed and to go from glory to glory to know you. God, whatever, whatever's blocking, 
We bind that in Jesus' name. Lord, if the ground of our heart and mind isn't watered, we pray the water of the word will just soften it so the seed can go in. And God, we want to thank you as a result of your word. God, we're stronger, we're bigger, we're faster. God, we, we walk with you in a closer walk. And we thank you for this, this word of life. God, as we open it, life is released in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, you know, last week we, we began looking at, we, we started a whole season uh, of, of, of the person and the work of the Spirit. And we looked last week at how being led by the Spirit is the new normal. It's really not correct. It, it's actually how it should have been all along. It, it should be normal. A, a kind of lifestyle that day by day, moment by moment, the Holy Spirit is leading us and taking us to situations and speaking to us, not just in the big decisions of life, but everything we do. And if you're tuned into that and you're ready for that and you believe in that, then, then all of a sudden at any moment, God can speak to you, whether you're in a queue at Woolies or wherever you're at, and He can drop something into your soul and it can begin to affect people's lives because we're led by the Spirit wherever we are. And yet today, you know, we're going to be looking at being guided by the Spirit. And the difference is not in the Word, because the words basically mean the same, led, guided. The difference isn't in the Word, the difference is in the context. In Romans chapter 8 that we saw last week, the context, Paul said, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a Spirit that makes you a slave, again, to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Why start there and not on being guided? Because here's the deal. The relationship has to be established first. That's why. They are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. It's not about getting guidance first and foremost. It's about becoming someone who walks with God. Okay. So... Being led by the Spirit, let's just kind of flash it up. Being led by the Spirit primarily, as we saw last week, lets us know who we are. We're children of God and where we stand. We stand in a place of security. However, being guided by the Spirit that, that we're about to look at in the context of the chapters in John is about knowing who He is. It's not about knowing what we get, but knowing who He is. And you've got to approach these chapters like that. Jesus isn't going, hey, if you believe me, you're going to get this, you're going to get that, and there's more. Sounds like a television kind of thing, and there's more. That's not the context. The context of more isn't that kind of thing. The context really is, if you see this the way I meant it, you're going to know who I am and what I do. And that will affect you. So, in John chapter, you might want to turn to John chapter, we're going to start in 16, if you've got your Bible and you like having, as Pastor Simeon says, the analog. Come on, where is it? You're about to pull an electronic one out. You're the advocate of the analog. Got it? Good? Sweet. And then open it, at, I'm going to kind of go back and forth between chapters 14 and 16. So you can make a marker there and you can stay there and, and uh, go back and forth with me. There's something about having this book in your hands. I, you can call me old-fashioned. It's like Bob Seger's song, I Love Rock and Roll. You know, don't take me to a disco. I want the rock and roll, old-time rock and roll. You don't know it, I know. You're too young for that stuff. But it's like, I love this, just like I love the 70s rock and roll. I love this. The electronic doesn't do it for me. 
I mean, I like, I, I know, I know, I know, I'm, I know, I'm old fashioned, and Kindle is out there for you tech heads and all that stuff. But it, there's just something about the word of, of faith that's in your hands. I just like it, you know. And so, Paul, uh, Paul, here we go. So, John is recording, thank you, Rachel. Uh, John is recording what Jesus said uh, in 16, and he's in the upper room with his disciples. He says in verse 12, I have much more. Everybody say more. God is a God of more. Even in verse uh, chapter 15, where he's talking about the vine and the branches, that you bear more fruit, much fruit. I have much more to say to you that you can now bear. You ever feel like that? That, that if God tells me one more thing, I'm going to explode. D.L. Moody, when he first got filled with the Spirit, and he got that revelation that this isn't automatic just because I got born again, he said the presence of God came on him so powerful and there was so much more, he had to ask God to stop. He felt like the hand of God was pressing him through the floor. That it, he said it was wonderful and it was terrifying. God is the God of more. And I will give you more than you can even bear. But, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Can you see the interplay here of the Trinity? The Trinity isn't three separate individuals operating individually. The Trinity is God is one, three persons in one, and they are just working together so harmoniously. He said he takes what's the Father's, it's mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now, if you think about the context and you remember, Jesus is in the upper room. Now, by the way, you're going to go, yeah, this feels like a teaching series. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, there is the gift of teaching in the fivefold. The teacher, and I like that, I am that. But it's not teaching just for information, but teaching with activation. Don't just sit there and go, oh, yeah, I found out something new today. No, no, no. Walk away from here going, I can do something new because of today. All right, here we go. If you think about the context, you'll remember that Jesus, he's in the upper room with his disciples. His death is only a matter of hours away. In other words, these are the final moments and the final words to those who are closest to him. So what does he do? He doesn't do a cram for an exam. You know, he doesn't go, got to get the instructions into them. I forgot to tell them this and that and this and that. They couldn't handle it even if he did. That's what he's trying to say. He doesn't cram-feed last-minute instructions so they pass an exam. Instead, he faces this time with an extreme confidence. Hey, I'm confident. You're about to get something you have never had before, and your minds are going to explode, and your lives are going to change radically. It's when the Holy Spirit comes to you. You're going to be guided so well. As a matter of fact, it's even necessary for me to leave you so you can get this. Jesus said this, And I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another. Pause for a minute. In the original, there are two main words for other or another in the original language. One of them is, I, there's another thing that's nothing like that thing. That's not the word he says. The second word is, there is another like the same. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you somebody who's just like me. It's not like, in this season I got to know my Savior and Lord. In this season I got to know the Father. I, I now in this season need to get to know the Counselor, the Holy Spirit. Uh-uh, uh-uh. There's this interchanging in there that to hear one is like hearing all three. 
And he says, I'm going to give you another, my version here says, counselor. The word could be comforter, encourager. It could be, as John uses it in 1 John to describe Jesus, advocate in a legal sense. The reality is every one of those words falls short of something about Jesus, uh, about the Holy Spirit. He's not just your advocate. He is, not a, he is not a defense attorney in a court where you're being found guilty, although he proclaims you innocent or righteous. He's not just a comforter to make you feel, life is okay, I'm going to make it even though you need that at times. He's not just a counselor to go, hey, this, have you ever thought about you should live like this? He's all those things and more. The English word just doesn't grab it. The word is a compound word that literally means somebody that is taken and placed alongside of you in every situation where you go. And they just couldn't find a word. Counselor doesn't do it because I don't want a counselor. I get embarrassed if I brought my counselor up here. You'd know all my dark secrets. But Jesus said, he's going to be like me. And he's going to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Isn't that interesting? At the beginning of the chapter, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the truth. Now he's saying, he's the spirit of truth. You can't separate them. The world cannot see him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Hang on, back up the truck. What do you mean we know him? we got an idea what you're talking about, but what do you need? What are you talking about here? Jesus is trying to remind them that, you know, everything you've seen happening in and through my life has been inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know that. You've seen that. You've actually experienced that in your world. But a difference is coming because you won't just know Him. He lives with you and will be in you. He's not just going to walk with you. He's going to live inside of you. Paul uses the language that we become the temple, the living, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, I'll not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So you see, this whole idea of, of being guided says that we are guided by His presence in us. Pure and simple. Come on, Richard. Number one. Sweet, sweet. The promise of his presence is more than God with us. It's God in us. You go, there's not much of a difference. There's a huge difference. And because of that presence, listen, because of that, presence is not something I go looking for. I, I don't seek his presence. I don't chase after his presence as if it's something i got to catch or I'm missing or, or the, it's beyond me, and, and I've got to find out what it is. The presence of God is what I live out of. Listen, listen, we've got to get this, because it, either God is just kind of accompanying me, or He is actually inside leading me. And, and the deal is this, I don't want to live in pursuit of presence, I want to learn to live from the place of presence. Which means I've got this constant awareness that the Holy Spirit's guidance means He is inside, He is talking, He is leading, he is, he is telling me everything the Father wants me to know, rather than me having to go to a consultant. He's in us. And I think, you know, I know, I know we use language like, Holy Spirit, come, and I want more of you, and all that. All that language is doing is expressing a desire of the heart but it really, in reality, it's a desire to experience more of what's already been given to us. 
It's like the cross. You can never have more victory from the cross than what's already been given to you. But you can experience and live in that day by day at greater levels. And it's not because he gets greater. It's because we get greater guidance. You with me? I'm not trying to twist your head. I'm just trying to get us to a place. Because last week we talked about the new normal being a shift in our thinking knowing that our life is one of constantly walking with the Spirit, knowing that He is there leading in all things, not just in life's major decisions. You don't have to go into a D&M prayer meeting to immediately know the Holy Spirit's leading me to say yes or no. You don't have to fast and go into travail and all this stuff to try to somehow find God's voice. It's right there. It's kind of like FM Radio waves, they are filling the airs right now. But the only way you're going to hear them is get a radio and tune in. The voice of God is constantly filling the airwaves. You know, the Bible actually says God is always speaking. Do you know what says that? But are we hearing? That's what he's talking about here. And so the new normal is, I'm being led by him constantly, but being guided by the Spirit also needs a shift and our thinking, because it helps us. Now, here's where I'm going. It helps us to see a reality where God makes his home in us, not just with us. Because in verse 23, Jesus said very clearly, here it comes. Jesus said very clearly in verse 23, he said, both the Father and I are going to live inside you. Whoa, whoa. How's that happen? By the Holy Spirit. We're making, you, you know how in John 15 he uses abide with me, those who abide, the old term abide, which literally means be at home with me. Well, he's saying the same thing. I and the Father, he's using the exact same word. I and the Father are going to, we are going to make ourselves at home in you. This is so different. And what this does, it does away with any fear of abandonment. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan without resource, without identity, without security, without direction. I'm not going to leave you like that. So the fear of abandonment's gone. It's not going to come and go because of something I do or don't do. But what it also does, it says the presence of the Father and, and the Son is made possible by the permanency of the Holy Spirit living in us. He said, for He lives with you, He will be in you. And this permanency of the Holy Spirit says, I've always got the Father there. I've always got the Son there. I've always got the Holy Spirit there just talking and guiding the whole time. And then you know what it leads to? It leads to results in a greater reality of living. It's not just taking away something. And it's not just, it's not just giving me something by Him living in there. But all of a sudden, it, it activates me to something. A greater reality of living than what we live. You, you realize most of us live far lower than what we can. Because Jesus said this. This verse blows me away every time I read it. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. The old versions say, verily, verily. In other words, stop. Give me your attention. You ever do that with your kids? Look at me in the eyes. And they're looking everywhere else. No, look at me in the eyes. I need your attention solely focused on this right here, right now. Because what I'm about to tell you is going to shift your, your idea of reality. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read that, 
Um, I read that verse, my head tries to take me to the place of, yeah, right. I'm, I'm human, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not a walking, talking demigod. My feet touch the earth. I struggle with faith like you do. And as soon as I read that verse, I go, yeah, right, I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. I've not opened somebody's eyes have been blind from birth. I've not cured people from an incurable disease. Yeah, right. And I wonder if the disciples thought the same. They're hearing this in the context that he's about to leave them, and they're going, hang on a minute, what did you just say? He said, I'm giving you a new reality. And they're going, whoa, whoa, back up for a minute. What they needed, what I need, perhaps what we all need, is revelation of a greater reality than we've settled for. Where God's word, what God says prevails, not what my logic says, not what my culture says, not even what my nature says. Man, I'm telling you, there's stuff that still clings in the soul that, you know, I don't know, you might have been brought up in a home where this phrase was used. You know, if, if something goes wrong, they say, that's once, three strikes and you're out. You ever heard that? And all of a sudden, it puts you into a reality that says you've only got three attempts at this and then you fail. You strike out. How many times have you asked for healing and it hasn't happened yet? Mm-hmm. Why stop? You're not in a baseball game. You're not down to strikes. But that's the culture. That's the nature we kind of grow up with. And let me just give you a side note on greater works. Guthrie said in his commentary, the book of Acts is evidence of the fulfillment of this prediction. In other words, before Acts is even finished, they're, they're doing a lot more than what Jesus did. The church is exploding. And the worldwide spread of Christianity today is, is a further sign of these greater things. I, I'm telling you, the church around the world today is, is doing incredible things. People are being raised from the dead. There, there are massive revivals. Man, you see these, you see these crusades. Is, is it in Lagos in Africa, Steve-O? That where they have that big, you know, the guy with the crusade and he's got, they have to run shuttle buses to the altar because there's a million people at the crusade. Go figure. How does his voice even get back there? Well, it's got to be God. God just, his voice ripples like waters. There are stories and reports of people being raised from the dead. Well, why don't, here, and your head goes to, well, why don't we see it? Well, maybe that's exactly why you don't see it. Because of that kind of questioning. You shouldn't go, why don't I see it? You should go, God, I want to see it. More, more. In the church around the world, things are happening on a big scale. So let's go back to the point I just made. Because I believe this point is found in these chapters in John. Nate read from 15, I'm doing 14 and 16. His presence guides us into a greater reality. It's not just about what I've got. All of a sudden, it's about what's happening around me and through me. He the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Now, with my evangelical upbringing and education, immediately I'd read that and I'd go, doctrine, theology, teaching. Is that where your head goes? I'm going to learn everything there is to know about soteriology. Do you know the word? Doctrine of salvation. I'm going to know everything about Christology. Guess the doctrine of? Yeah. And I'm going to learn everything there is. I know everything about pneumatology. I read the books. I did the exams. And I got a high mark. What's pneumatology? The Holy Spirit. So I read verses like this and go, yeah, that's right. It's about that. 
You know that's not what truth means here. It can mean that, but it's more than that. You know what truth means here? Reality. Reality. How do I know that? Because if you track back to John 7, 16, Jesus does talk about his teaching or New King James says doctrine. And he uses a totally different word to describe his teaching, his doctrine, his theology, if you like. The word he uses here, though, is a word that takes us to the place of this is really going to happen. Listen, let me, let me tell you what the theological dictionary of the New Testament says on this. This word truth is used absolutely to denote a new to denote a reality which is to be regarded as firm and therefore solid, valid, or binding. A new reality. Now it it, it is talking, you, you can't talk about Jesus and your doctrine not get stronger. But the deal is this, we are not guided into all truth so we can argue doctrine with people from other churches. I used to love that. I have to confess to you, I was a, I was a self-prided persecutor of people who didn't have an evangelical doctrine. I was. I, I, I prided myself in winning theological arguments. And most of my time in my study, which was well over six years, was to become stronger in doctrine so I could be right and they could be wrong. Because, and this is what was wrong in my soul, being right somehow became more important than being changed. Hang on, you did not get that. The priority was for me to win the day in the theological argument and feel good about my head knowledge and I, it was more important for me to be right and them to be wrong than it was for me to be changed by the power of this word. And I'm ashamed of that. But, but I have to tell you, I did, I, 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 don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed studying theology, getting my degree in it, but my motive for studying that theology should have been the cry of Paul in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. And in these days, I'm, I'm learning to read and study with that motive. I, I try to fight against the theological argument. I love my theological discussions with Andrew. I know he gets wearied with them. And I love the theological discussions. But even more than that, there has to be a passion and a hunger for what's going to make me more like him. Theology in its basic root form is simply the study of God. That's what the word means. And I'm learning what that means because I want to know Christ. Knowing Him means knowing the Father. Knowing the Father leads to living and advancing His kingdom. Every theology degree and every Bible course I did, all of that stuff will not change the world unless it changes me. And listen, while truth here can include teaching and doctrine in the, in the context of these chapters, it's guiding us to a reality of, it, it actually, truth guides us to a greater reality. Something they were missing. This is why Jesus could say to the most theologically educated people of his time, you err in this. You think that by studying the scriptures, you're going to find life. And he said, you're going to find that the scriptures testify that that life is in me. Life is not in the words on a page, but in a person that those words talk about. Now, here's the deal. In John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus told his disciples what was about to take place. They've just had what we had. They had communion. And all of a sudden, he breaks the... I mean, the first thing he does is wash their feet, and it shocks them. How can you do this? You're the king. The next thing he does, he talks about, I'm going to be betrayed. 
you know, the first thing in their minds wasn't, no. The first thing in their minds was, it's not me, is it? <laughs> I'll show you what level they were at at that moment. But all of a sudden, he begins to unveil to them, I'm not just going to get betrayed, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to die, I'm going to leave you. And it caused them naturally to go to doubt, to fear, to sadness, to anger, to, as Nate talked about, hopelessness. And here it is. Their view of reality was an earthly view of what a king should do and be. You're going to overthrow the governments. You're going to set us up so that David's kingdom is here and nobody will ever rule over us again and we'll have peace and prosperity right here and we'll be pure blood Jews and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden Jesus said, yeah, but I'm going to die and I'm going to leave you. And the only possible reality they could see at that moment was tragedy and defeat. And he went back and he addressed it. Hey, I've told you these things and you're just getting more and more sorrowful. Listen to what I'm trying to say to you here and now. I know it's tough for you to get it, but listen to what I'm trying to say. And, and he tried to tell them about his death, but to them the cross was, was not seen as a place for victory for the kingdom. To them the cross was seen that the kingdom is defeated. They couldn't get it. And it's their natural conclusion. The, the disciples needed a new, greater reality, especially about things like the cross. It, it, it is, in this instance, it is not a place of martyr and death and, 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 and horrendous kind of, sacri uh, not sacrifice, but death. It, it is going to be a place of triumph and breakthrough for every person on the planet. But they can't see it. They don't see it. Natural conclusion. They're going to come to this natural conclusion. They don't have this greater reality. And Jesus says, but you're going to get it. And it's necessary for this to happen like this because you're going to get unlocked in this greater reality. And he said, you're going to get this shift when the Holy Spirit comes. Let's go back to John chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 12, walk through that in these closing minutes. John 16 verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You know, so many truths he wanted to tell them to try to correct their wrong view of reality and their thinking about the kingdom, their thinking about the Father, even their thinking about themselves and their future. He said, there's a lot of things I'm going to tell you about that, but it's too much for you to take in right now to understand. Do you ever get like that? God's trying to show you something that just overwhelms you. By the way, can I say this? There is no such thing as new truth. Don't, don't go to God and go, show me new truth. You might end up with another book like the Book of Mormon, and it won't be from God. Um, there is no such thing as new truth. Truth has been truth all along. But there's a new way of seeing that truth called revelation and then illumination. Holy Spirit pulls back the veil and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't see that before. You didn't all of a sudden get a new truth, you just got a new view. And not only do you get a new view, the light's on it so you can see it clearly. But the Holy Spirit, you know, He does the same with us. He just, He gives us what we need at that time. Have you ever gone to God, God, just give me a blueprint? And He goes, yeah, nah. He said, I'm not giving you the whole blueprint. It'll blow your mind. I'll give you enough truth to take you to the next step. So you can understand it. You can activate it. He shows us what we need. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth. 
for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. You know the context here. Jesus is talking about the immediate things, his death, his burial, his resurrection. But he's also referring to the things of the kingdom that would take place among them and through them that was about to break loose. This is what he's talking about, guys. He's not just talking about his death and his burial and his resurrection, but he's talking about the loosing of the kingdom of God like they have never seen it before. And they can only grasp this greater reality by the Holy Spirit when he comes and gives them revelation. And he gives them revelation of the reality of a victorious kingdom, not a defeated king. The kingdom of God. See, where God's rule happens. So instead of going, what are we going to do? They killed him. They're coming after us. Everything is falling apart. The wheels are falling off. Instead of that, all of a sudden, they get a view of reality, of, of healing over sickness, of life over death, of justice prevailing, of love out overcomes hate and revenge. This is a kingdom that knows no end. It's not a kingdom where you fight fire with fire. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. This is a kingdom that overcomes with love. So radical. Verse 14. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Can I make an important point here? And I really, you know, we're in a movement that highly values being tuned into what the Spirit's doing. But anything that comes from the Holy Spirit, listen, it will always glorify Jesus. And any word, any vision, any dream, any prophetic thing, it will be consistent with who Jesus is, what he said or what he did, and it will point us to the Father and his kingdom. And it will always be consistent with the word of God. I, I can tell you that over 37 years of leadership, I have had too many times, and I can count, people come to me with some far-out word, and I say, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. That's not what God says there. And you know what their response is? Well, I didn't say it. God did. I'm going, you know, you know what my response is? Well, no, he didn't, because it just contradicted that. Or it just, it just contradicted the nature of the Father. You, you need to be clear on this, that the Holy Spirit's not going to do, he's not going to violate the very word that he wrote. And he is not going to bring discredit to the Son of God whom he speaks on behalf of. And he's certainly not going to rule out the Father and what he wants. So, the greater reality that was soon to be revealed to the disciples, listen, here it is. It gave them both the ability to know the Father's work just as Jesus knew and to do the Father's will on earth just as Jesus did. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. The greater reality that the disciples were about to get a download on was this. I'm going to, Jesus said, I take everything from the Father. It becomes mine. I'm now giving it to you. How's that happen? The Holy Spirit's going to give you revelation of that reality. So that all of a sudden when I start praying against sickness, I don't have to command in my name. I don't have to strive. I don't have to pray a thousand times. I go back to what the Word of God says and what the Father is doing, and I pray His heart into the situation. Because that's what Jesus would do. It's part of the kingdom here on earth. The greater reality is we're going to do what Jesus did. 
And this is what it means. He's going to guide you into all truth. Yeah, he's going to tell you what is real and what is right about doctrine, but he's going to give you reality about the kingdom of God and how it operates here on earth and about me. So that you're not abandoned. You're not left to your own resources. You don't have to strive to make this happen. You rest in the promises of God. So let me, let me track it out for you. When the Holy Spirit guides us, we get truth, right? We see something. We know something. That leads to faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. All of a sudden, belief grows in us. But that belief doesn't just become head knowledge. It begins to, tra- to change and reform or transform our lives from one thing to another. I-, I come from seeing and knowing to believing to becoming. I become like Him. I don't just become like Him in loving Him. I become like Him in learning to love as He loves. But it doesn't stop there because it's not just about me and what I get. Because what I, what I see, I begin to believe that that determines what I become and then that thrusts me out so I can do. Transformation leads to action. And this is what Jesus is saying. The works I've been doing and here's the reason you can do them because I did them. Because the Father gave them to me. The Father told me what to do in any given situation and He will do the same with you because now you have the indwelling Spirit of God permanently there talking to the Father, listening to me and telling you if you're if you've got this greater reality. On Thursday, I received an email from Craig Sparrow. And he's, he's informing me that he's written his first book and he's about to publish it. And he said, I'd like you to do an endorsement on the book. He said, sweet. So he sent me a copy. So I did what I do. I just read it. Read it as quick as I could. I'll go back and read it more thoroughly. Um, and then all of a sudden, something stood out to me in, in the book. This is Craig's journey. And I realized as I read it that it, it's exactly what God was trying to say to us today about being guided by the Spirit. So I got his permission to share a paragraph with you. He said, go ahead, that'll promote it. <laughs> Craig is always thinking about, yeah, I can get this out. of You know how Craig is. Okay, but even better, this is how Craig's been changed. Here's what he said. I believe the greatest tragedy for believers is to live life through the lens of an inferior reality. Our perspective remains deprived when we are ignorant of a greater realm of truth surrounding our access to the kingdom of God. This kingdom has no lack, powerlessness, nor limitation. Instead, it holds unceasing access to God's goodness and truth. I went, yeah, that's what we need. This greater reality that exists. It's like it's in the airwaves. Are you tuned in? We need to see the greater reality because we've been baptized into the reality of this world. And it's blocking. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.